Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. This is Beth Center on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. Welcome back in. It is hour number two of the Sinbet Center on a Saturday night from downtown Las Vegas. Back with Adam Burke. I'm Ben Wilson. We are following quite the bonanza of an NFL Saturday night in this week 18 doubleheader. Cowboys all over the Eagles. If you're just joining us, it has been uh, offense that has ruled the day. 30 to 17 at the half. A little bit of money, Adam, to Philadelphia here on the second half line. We've seen this go down from two and a half. Dallas, again, 30 to 17. So that would be 15 and a half of the game. Down to behind us here at Circa, only laying a point. So some betters are interested. And again, this just goes back to the Week 18 handicap being so much different than regularly. And then the thought being, all right, we've seen basically backups out there for a half for Philadelphia. Most likely, Mike McCarthy, we think, would be pulling his guys for Dallas in the second half, leading to probably more of a game, uh, more even effort. I would suppose that's the mentality here. But regardless, I don't know how much confidence you could really have in that playing out because... We didn't think Dallas would play any of their guys to begin with, and they have played, and they've looked very good so far. Well, and now you kind of wonder, uh, Dallas getting the ball first here for the second half, does Dak Prescott get one more drive? Because yeah. as we mentioned you know, in, in the previous segment, Dak Prescott, 36 touchdown passes this season, needs one more out of pass Tony Romo for that record for, for the Cowboys' history. So that's something he probably knows about and something that maybe he's kind of lobbying for in that locker room during halftime. So... We'll see if he gets one more series. Maybe they put the game on ice if he's able to drive them down the field again. Feels like maybe that's a possibility here and something that you want to be maybe quick on the trigger with uh, if we get you know live betting opportunity. If Prescott goes out there, throws a touchdown pass, that's probably going to be his night. Yeah, we'll we'll see how that works. And again, that's why you, you know with if, with us, if you're if you're using us as a second screen watching the game, also have a little third screen like in a phone or something on social media because trying to figure out when these guys are out. And trying to stay ahead of the betting markets as well from the in-game perspective. That is the way you want to uh, approach this here in the second half. Second half total, by the way, not much movement on that. Still 21, 21 and a half after the game goes over the pregame total itself in the first half. Before we get into the college football playoff national championship game, talk some props here with Adam. Couple of uh, big developments on the hardwood, Adam, in uh, at the Cameron Indoor there in Durham. Basically a four-point play for Miami in a position where they were down... Uh, down by three with the ball, they like they they draw a t- they, they draw a foul, but miss a free throw only to get the offense. And this was on an and one. They get an and one from Charlie Moore to go down one. He misses the free throw. Cameron McGusty gets the offensive rebound. Actually, Jordan Miller got the offensive rebound. Was able to uh, shuttle it off to McGusty, who puts it in for two. Four point play, seventy five seventy four. 
Uh, and then uh, after Trevor Keels missed a, a bucket for Duke, Blue Devils forced to a foul, and it looks like Wendell Moore just missed a three here for the win with a second left. So Miami is going to come into Cameron Indoor, a team barely inside the top 100 in Ken Palm, Adam, at 93rd overall, and potentially going to stun Duke here. It looks like they're having an official review for time left on the clock, but as a 15-point underdog plus 900 on the South Point money line, the highest in the market, Jim Laranega. But he got a 7-7 seven and seven against Duke since 2011, by far the best mark of any coach. Yeah, and, you know, again, what's going to be really interesting to follow now going forward is Duke getting punched in the mouth here a little bit. You know, is that something that kind of lingers for them, or are they able to come back? And, and that's the thing, and look, you know, this is a altogether different discussion for another day, but I can kind of mention it here briefly. One of the things that's challenging about being in this business, and Ben, I'm sure you know this, I'm sure our producers know this, all the other hosts know this, it's hard to enjoy something in the moment because you're always thinking about what it means for the next game <laughs> yeah. or down the oh, line. You're so right. You know, so like this upset is actually, assuming it comes to fruition here, really phenomenal win for Miami. But my whole thought is, what does it mean for Duke going forward? Does Miami just have their number? Because as you mentioned, Larinaga going to go maybe to seven and seven here against Duke uh, over the last several years. Is this something that speaks more to an issue with Duke? Or is Miami just better than we thought? Yeah. Or do you fade Miami coming off of a big win like this on the road, uh, assuming they get it here with the point seven seconds I should seconds point out, left. yeah, inbound uh, three. Uh, it is just <laughs> short. So they reviewed it. Ball was actually touched last out of bounds off Miami. So they give the ball to Duke, point seven left. And, it, and the inbound comes in. Actually, it, you know, it was a in the end good here, look. Uh, yeah, pretty good good look for uh, for Wendell Moore, who ends up 0-4 from, uh, from 3 tonight, despite a pretty good game otherwise, 12 points, 10 rebounds. But his 3 comes up short at the horn. He got it off in time, and that is the first win against an AP Top 5 team for Miami since 2016. As they go into Cameron Indoor, Miami 5-0 and in ACC play uh, with a 76-74 win. Uh, they and will. Uh, they, they will. State they will be on the road Florida on Tuesday. State on Tuesday. So again, that, <laughs> right that's to the Leonard Hamilton meat grinder, oh. right? And that's what I'm saying is, you know, you get a situation like this, and it's an awesome moment, and it'd be cool if they were at home and they were storming the court and everything like that. But for me, the oh. first thing I do, I go find out who they're playing next, and then I start kind of formulating in my mind where do I think that line is? Do I expect you know Miami money overnight coming off this big win? Do I expect people to fade them and take Florida State? That's the thing. You're always thinking ahead. You're always trying to picture that next opportunity. And I think there's a very good chance we get an opportunity the next game for both of these two teams. So it was it was more the first three-point look at the end. Then uh, Trevor Keels with the last three-point look. It was a good look. It was but a good Miami look. Miami gets the win, 76-74. One of the other games that just wrapped up as well, UCLA beats Cal. 60-52, to 52, but as an eight-and-a-half-point favorite, they f- up nine, they foul with, uh, with about... Seven seconds left. Jordan Shepard goes one of two at the line. If you're UCLA better, sorry, better luck next time. Uh, makes one of two. Cal does not foul. And Cal uh, ends up going down by eight points as an eight and a half point underdog. So, you know, the, the ebbs and flows, the ups and downs of betting oh, college. The college basketball I know season. you've had, I know you felt that way uh, for a, a lot uh, here. Adam. So uh, those are some of the big college uh, basketball results. We're still waiting on a couple of, uh, of final games here coming down the stretch, but Auburn has pulled away. They're up 12 now over Florida, 75, 63 with two fifty four to go in that game as a seven and a half or eight point favorite. So it looks like the Tigers will avoid the upset there on their home floor. Uh, And meanwhile, uh, first drive of the second half, Cowboys come up short on a third down, but there is a flag. So we'll wait to see what that call is. Again, a couple minutes into the third, 
and looks like they did just punt the ball back to Philadelphia, who are called for a illegal block in the back. So back to the Eagles, and that gives us a chance now to talk for a few minutes here. College football national championship uh, in the game coming up Monday. This is our one big chance to talk about it, Adam, because you know, game's Monday night. We're not back on the air till next Saturday. So let's discuss it right now, and I know you are looking to attack this from the prop angle, something you don't normally see in college football markets. We're not, we don't really get the player prop market offered to us outside of the big games like this. What has been kind of your early strategy on looking from the player prop elements of this big game Monday? I will say, first off, I did take Alabama plus the three. Well, that was still around. So I did take a piece of that. I'm not sure I love it. I'm not sure I'm going to hold on to it. Maybe I look for an opportunity in-game to kind of play back and forth with this one because, like Arash Markazi said during our our first hour here, I do think this is probably a close game, sort of more of a back-and-forth type of game than the first one was. But with that being said, I really like the prop market because this should be, at least in theory, the absolute tightest line of the year. It is a standalone game. It's a massive handle game. We just saw these two teams play a little or about a month or so ago. This should be the tightest line. Everyone that has a position on this game will shape and mold this line. So to me, I think you attack the player prop market. I think you look at the props because this is kind of like uh, training camp, I guess I would say, for the Super Bowl. You know, in the Super Bowl, we get prop catalogs. We get all kinds of different stuff. You've got the entertainment props outside of Nevada. You've got all kinds of different things. Every player, every everything winds up with a prop line for the Super Bowl. And the national championship game has kind of become that as well because you've got all this demand for player props out there in this legalized marketplace. So I started looking at a few different things here, and the first thing I noticed is in the first game, Alabama – had no delusions about running the football. They just weren't going to do it. If you look at Brian Robinson's 16 carries, seven of them came on Alabama's two final possessions when they already had the game well in hand. When they took a 31-17 lead in that game, they threw on the next 10 plays to try and extend that lead. So Alabama does not want to run the football in this game. So I think what they do instead is they utilize Brian Robinson Jr. as a pass catcher as an extension of the running game without having to run into that Georgia front. So Brian Robinson, you look at his receiving prop, 20 and a half out there at DraftKings. I think he goes over that. You know, he's a guy who hasn't really had a lot of catches recently, so that kind of pulls that number down some. But I think he had 268 receiving yards during the regular season. I believe he had 31 catches. Also, I think Georgia's going to try to be a little bit more aggressive. They didn't get to Bryce Young in that SEC championship game. They didn't get that pressure, even though Alabama has allowed a lot of sacks this season. So I expect Georgia to come with a little bit more pressure, which is going to put Bryce Young into situations to dump it off or they'll run some screens, something like that. So I really like the player props, both from a a profitability standpoint, but also because I think it's fun to get in the minds of these coordinators and start thinking about what their game plans are going to be. Uh, Brian Robinson on the rushing side, he is your highest-led prop man on the rushing yardage, 64-and-a-half. Uh, we, we As we saw a moment ago, at least on the receiving side of things, the Jamison Williams prop, 112 and a half. That is a hefty uh, price to pay for uh, certainly a, deny, a dynamic receiver for Alabama. The one thing I would add to that, too, is because of the fact that this is really the one game a year in college where you get these. Now, maybe this is more prominent for, for those of our viewers and listeners here in the Nevada jurisdiction where, you know, obviously DraftKings East Coast, they're used to dealing with these markets more often. But I just remember last year, one bet that a lot of us here at VEASAN hammered was the Mac Jones rushing prop because most books on the East Coast had it like 10 and a half, 11 and a half. Behind us here at Circa, they hung a five and a half on Mac Jones. And we're just like, all right, we're just number shopping here. And these books that aren't necessarily used to putting up tons and tons 
of prop market numbers, there could be some discrepancy there. And we always say shop around, but don't you think, I mean, this, if anything, markets like this in a game like this, bear that out even more so, uh, more so than normal. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, you think about the difference of taking minus 110 instead of minus 115 and what that does to your long-term break-even rate. Mm -hmm. You're talking in these player props about differences of two, four, six, eight yards, you know, on a player's line. Absolutely have to line shop. No doubt about that. You talk about having fun. I mean, rooting for a Mac Jones over five and a half rushing prop. <laughs> Quite the sweat. And he got there. I think he, he, he went over all numbers. I think he had 13 rushing yards, basically on one scramble. But it was like, come on, Mac. You, you can do it. I know it. And he got there. But just, you know. Word of the word of the watch, and that's a good good observation by you. Uh, I I have not made a play on the game yet, and I'm looking for the in-game market because, like you said, tightest line out there of any on the college football board. A big third down conversion, by the way, for the Philadelphia Eagles. We'll see how they can move the ball downfield. We'll update that in-game line on the other side, right here on Vsin Bet Center. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. Oh, <laughs> I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. Oh, my friends love it. I love that it's KidSafe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. But the six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. is Beth Center on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. If you missed any part of our show or anything on the VSN schedule today, don't forget to check out our free sports betting podcast. Catch replays of all our shows or download and listen on your schedule. Go to vcin.com slash podcast and get Beating the Book with Gail Alexander or Market Insights with Josh Applebaum. Plus, we've got Hardwood Handicappers, the Lombardi Line, Follow the Money, Coast to Coast Hoops, and many more. They're all free and available now at vcin.com slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. A big fourth down picked up. Quez Watkins over the middle for 11 yards on fourth and three. Eagles go for it at the Dallas 45. As we welcome you back, back with Adam Burke, I'm Ben Wilson. So 7.40 to go now in the third quarter. Second and nine here for Philly. Down by 13. Dak Prescott, though, and the Cowboy offense, they were out for that first drive of the third quarter. Nothing is indicated yet that they are out of the game. So like maybe are they just going to play everybody the whole game? I don't know. Uh, with a nice diving catch made again, that is Watkins right. Uh, actually, Jalen Rieger this time right on the sideline, just short. So a third and two coming up for the Eagles, who are on the move as this uh, live line Currently showing a nine and a half right now. Dallas favored with 66 and a half is your live total. So fascinating how this is, has worked out. All the 
all our thoughts on when these guys would come out and for Dallas, they're like, nah, we're good. We're just going to play everybody for all 60 minutes in a game that doesn't really mean anything. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. But the one thing I will say, and, and I didn't do anything with this for the second half or, or anything like that, but you know, we kind of speculated of what would happen in the second half for this game. And it seems like both coaches kind of said, hey, you know, let, let's kind of get things going here on the defensive side where you had a three and out for the Cowboys. And this has been a very methodical drive for the Eagles. Not a whole lot of big explosive plays, just staying ahead of schedule, moving the chains, doing what Gardner Minshew wants to do, throwing the football around. Uh, really nice drive here for the Eagles to kind of settle everything down. But after getting 47 points in the first half, we're halfway through the third quarter and it's been scoreless. Right now. 12th play of the drive coming up for Philadelphia as they just convert Watkins for four on third and two from the 26. So no, you're, you're exactly right. Definitely has felt like a change in tenor. I'm here coming out for the third quarter. So we'll see if the Eagles are able to punch it in just outside the Dallas 20, 30 to 17. And remember, for, for betters that try to get ahead of some of the market moves, Adam, with the COVID news coming out midweek, an important drive as a touchdown pass potentially is dropped in the end zone. Uh, but a flag is down at about the five-yard line. Because remember, Cowboys were as high as seven and a half in the market before they got hit with a flood. Uh, books did of eagle money. So we'll uh, we'll see what happens here on this uh, defensive. It looks probably like a defensive hold or something, at least in uh, in that nature. Uh, but anyway, the, the betters, there are a lot of betters, unlike you. you. You already got your ticket on your over. But there's a lot of betters sweating this uh, result right now. Uh, while we wait for that flag and what we while we wait to see what happens in the red zone here, a couple more minutes here on our, our final thoughts for the national championship game. I mentioned it when we talked with uh, Arash in our last hour. I was interested to see how that total had adjusted. Certainly, you, you get it, right? Alabama puts up 41 points over 500 yards in game one. Naturally, that total was going to go higher. But I su- wasn't surprised to see the under money come in there, down to 52 in some spots, 52 and a half in some others. That's the one angle that does intrigue me, Adam, because to me it do- does feel like a bit of an overreaction when you consider the perceived adjustments that you have to assume will be made, especially on the Georgia defensive side here coming in. Yeah, the Georgia defensive side for sure, as I said, I do think that they're going to be a little bit more aggressive in terms of trying to pressure Bryce Young. So it is one of the reasons why I do like Brian Robinson Jr. over his receiving mm-hmm. yards. But also, too, for Georgia, I mean, Stetson Bennett threw 48 times in the first game. That That is not a recipe for success for Georgia Bulldogs football. And I know the game state dictated that, and game state is really important to me. As I said, I try to visualize and think about how this game will play out, what these teams are going to want to do, and if it winds up being a close game as a result. Of course, Bennett had to throw a ton in the first game because, A, Georgia wasn't very effective running the football, and, B, they trailed throughout most of that game and trailed by double digits throughout most of that game. So there is a school of thought here, I think, on the Georgia side to say, look, we want to run the football, and we're going to Mm -hmm. force running the football, and that will lead to a lower-scoring game. I also think it kind of, you know, I I don't think it's a great strategy for them, but that may be where they decide to go with the adjustment that Todd Mockin decides to make in this game. One thing I think is interesting on the Georgia side, and again, we have this recent data point that we can refer to, James Cook. In that first game, 11 carries, four receptions. 15 touches was a season high for him. 11 carries tied a season high. Four receptions was also tied for a season high, I believe. But the 15 touches overall was the most that he had all season long. So was that a game state thing because they were trailing and he's the faster back? Or did they just think, okay, we can't run it at the Alabama front with Zamir White? So that's something to me where I like James Cook over his receiving yards because I think that they sort of isolated him as the better option, the guy that will get a higher snap share in this game. So those are all things that I try to do in terms of looking at the prop markets. And like I said, I think it's fun, but I also think that you can find a lot more opportunities. 
And to that point, you and I were talking during the break about some of the line differences that we're already seeing in some of these props, some of the differences in yardage for, you know, like Jamison Williams receiving yards, some of the differences we're seeing in terms of Stetson Bennett rushing yards or passing yards. Again, you can shop around for the best prices here and give yourself a really good chance to, to make some positive EV bets. 239.5 behind us at Circa. And Bennett passing yards, 249.5 at the DraftKings on the East Coast. Obviously different jurisdictions, but the point being there are going to be uh, those differences to speak of. And we, I know we were showing the rushing yards a second ago, uh, demonstrating James Cook with his in the, in the mid to low 40s number, but 20.5 on, on the receiving yards right now at DraftKings. So something to, to keep an eye out on as we get closer and closer. I you know, when all is said and done, I'm not going to have a bet, I don't think, pregame on a side here. The only thing I'm leaning to is uh, is the total. And we'll see as we get closer to kickoff if that public money, because we've seen a lot of you know, the, the thought here, it's not really, it's, it's been pseudo-correlated to Alabama and over from a lot of betters thinking, well, if Alabama's going to win the game, they're going to have to put up more points once again and have success offensively. Uh, but I am interested in uh, in the under, not that I think Georgia necessarily you know rolls and figures out all of a sudden how to just shut down Bryce Young and Alabama altogether. But that is my thought. We we talk a lot about you know, without with you know weather factors and injury not uh, not deciding. Try to wait as long as you can on betting these totals if you like an under because especially in a huge Super Bowl type betting game like this. I mean, don't you think Adam totals probably going to tick back up to around fifty three given the onslaught of uh, of of you know public money that watched what happened in, in game number one between these two and and saw you know. 41 points scored for Alabama, at least, uh, coming out in this game. Right, 41 points for Alabama. Bryce Young, you know, the Heisman Trophy winner. They're going to expect offense because of that. And look, I mean, this was a Georgia defense that had allowed, what, 6.9 6. points 9 per game? And 223 yards a game as well. Right, and, and Alabama just marched it up and down the field on them. And, and I think something that's interesting, and, and, you know, drawing that parallel to the Super Bowl, you've got a week and a half before this game gets played. Every narrative gets airtime, every single one of them. And one that I think is interesting, and I actually want to get your take on this, Ben, is a lot of people are saying, look, in the first meeting, Georgia didn't have to win. Alabama had to win. So a lot of people are saying, well, you know, Alabama had to win. They had this extra incentive, this extra, you know, uh, motivation, whereas Georgia knew they were in the college football playoff anyway. I don't buy that because Georgia also had the chance to win the SEC, which I think is their goal coming into the season. And then, of course, if you do that, you get to the college football playoff. So I want to get your take on that because I've seen that get a lot of run. I've heard that. I've read it. I don't really think that that's something that should factor into this handicap. It was a ridiculous notion from the start. I mean, Kirby Smart has been owned by Nick Saban since coming to Georgia. We know the success Alabama has had in that rivalry. Like, You, re- you really want to go, and tell- go down to Athens and tell the people in Georgia, oh, yeah, an SEC title game against Alabama doesn't matter. Like, good luck trying to exp- trying to explain that thought to them. I th- like it. Kind of to your point on how, since we have so much time in between these games, every single possible narrative gets airtime just because we we are all talking heads and we just need to you know bloviate on on television. That to me was of all the different angles to look at the most ridiculous one. So I'm we're, we're on the same page there. Don't think there's any credence to people trying to like. Also, why do you need to talk yourself into a Georgia bet? With that logic, like there's a lot of right. other things you would talk yourself into as of like what you said. I mean, the adjustments from a, one of the best statistical defenses of all time against an offense that obviously exposed some things they hadn't really been tested against with defending the past during the year that the whole reason why you have a month to prepare and with how good they looked against Michigan, I think there were some adjustments that were made there. And I just think it's, it's, I'm glad that you had that answer and I figured that you would have that answer, but I think it's a really important discussion to have because 
there are a lot of new betters out there that can be swayed by those different mindsets, those narratives, those things that really aren't based in anything except for opinion. You know, look at what's in front of you. Look at the stats. Look at what happened in that first matchup. Consider the fact that Alabama doesn't have John Mechie. How much of an impact mm-hmm. is that for them? Because they didn't look all that good in the passing game against Cincinnati. They just ran it down Cincinnati's throat. So look at what's actually real and in front of you instead of listening to some of the sensationalism that's out yeah. there in the lead-up to these types of games. Great. That's a great piece of advice. It, and it's easy to say on the surface, but I think we all naturally just get – and I, you know, I find – as a, you know, working here at Beeson and you're, you know, you're around shows six days a week, like for my own week to week NFL handicapping, I've struggled with that all year where you just get the osmosis without even trying to. And we try to, you know, watch and listen to shows to, to get as much insight as possible, but it can be really hard, especially for well thought out arguments to get those out of your head and, and remain neutral. So I, you know, especially for a game like this though, yeah, you and, really have to stay kind of true to yourself uh, with the handicap. And again, keep this in mind for the Super Bowl because you're going to hear two weeks of it for oh, the Super Bowl. So again, make sure that you're looking at what's real, what's black and white, instead of all this gray area. Yeah, and don't lay minus one ten on the coin toss. <laughs> don't do that. Don't do it. Uh, when we, Brian Ortega, our producer, asking me why not. Uh, well, do we even need to answer? From a guy who bet the under in this. Yeah, uh, yeah, I guess so. A uh, field goal, by the way. Eagles stall out in the red zone, thirty to twenty. Cowboys. We'll give you an updated in-game line there next. And the golf round three has come to an end. In Kapalua, we'll get you an updated leaderboard and odds heading into Sunday next year on Vsin Bet Center. This is Bet Center on Vsin, the sports betting network. Welcome back. This segment of VSIN Bet Center is brought to you by Zinn Nicotine Pouches. Zinn is working to create a world where you can enjoy life on your own terms. Zinn Nicotine Pouches are a smoke-free, spit-free, and hassle-free tobacco alternative that can be enjoyed on the go anywhere and anytime. So you never miss a minute of the game or the tailgate party. Available in 10 varieties, including spearmint, coffee, and citrus. Zinn can be found at convenience stores nationwide. So you can find your Zinn wherever you are. Zinn's Nicotine Pouches are clean and discreet with no lingering smell. Plus, it's easy to use indoors or out, making it the perfect complement to your everyday. Also, Zinn comes in two strengths, so you have control over your nicotine satisfaction. Zinn contains nicotine and is only for adult nicotine consumers 21+. plus. Learn more and find your local retailer at Zinn.com. That's Z-Y-N.com. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. We're back. VEASAN Bet Center, Saturday night from downtown Las Vegas. Starters are still in at this point. It might be Sunday, and the starters are still in. Uh, Adam Burke for the Dallas Cowboys. They've got the ball, and they continue to move the ball into Philadelphia territory, up 30-20, to 220 to go in what has been a, a fast-paced third quarter, just the second drive of the quarter for Dallas, third drive overall after Philadelphia had a near 15-play drive, resulting in a field goal. Uh, but the Cowboys, who ended up closing as a six-point favorite in this game, total has already gone over the 46-and-a-half at close. You see your current updated odds, courtesy of DraftKings. And uh, Adam, uh, well, Dak Prescott needs one touchdown pass to pass Tony Romo. For the uh, the all time uh, single season list, uh, it, it would be for Dak. Kind of amazing considering the up and down season he has had, battling through injury. But that's what's on the precipice here. And I mean, I guess this has to be the final drive. But we've also said that for you know like a quarter and a half now on Dak Prescott as they give it up the middle and pick it up on third and one. Ezekiel Elliott, he's still been the, the back on all these plays as well here as they are now into the red zone, the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, a lot of running on this drive. So it almost feels like they're trying to just run the football down the field and then let Dak hawk the touchdown and then go ahead and be done. But this is a really important possession in that regard. If they score a touchdown here, Dak's probably done. Maybe the offensive line is done. You know, that's something that you'd probably want to take a look at here where 
Maybe, you know, you hit a live under or something like that you know, for the fourth quarter. You know, I think it's about to be done. Ezekiel Elliott just, he has 16 carries for 83 yards. Talk about, again, a guy who has had his ups and downs and really not looked impressive for the majority of the year. He just went over 1,000 yards on the season with his last carry by getting up now to 87 yards, a fourth straight 1,000-yard season for Ezekiel Elliott. I, I'm going to be honest with you, Adam. I did not think he was even close to 1,000 yards. No, I didn't either. I, I'm sitting here watching this game going, man, he's, run, he's running harder than he has at any other point in the season. And, and But again, this week eight to week 18. No he knows he's close to 1,000 yards. You know, the, these are things you want to look at it because, I mean, not only are they personal benchmarks for guys, but also, you know, when his contract negotiation comes up, he can go, yeah, yeah. look, another 1,000-yard season. Back to the flat. That is caught. So a third and about six coming up here. And we will that will be the last, uh, I believe, the last play. Actually, they stopped the clock. So we might have one more play left here in the third quarter. Again, Dallas uh, up by 10. And while we have a moment, we will sneak in our our golf update here on the show. I know, you, are, have you been betting much golf? I know you basically bet like every sport, I feel like. So I don't know if you have uh, room in the... Room in the tank to add another one. But and my fun pre- sport, fun sport to bet. I do enjoy my golf betting. Well, my previous gigs, I covered golf, so I would write a golf preview and I'd you know do a lot more of the homework that it takes to, to go ahead and bet these golf events. But no, with, uh, with everything going on here at Veasan and busy man, and, yeah, busy man, and, and plus the football season too. Right, you know, it's something that I'll, I'll start looking at golf probably a little bit more next month or so. Uh, as Prescott completes a pass just short of the line to gain. So as we head to the fourth quarter, Dallas up 10. They will have a fourth down and one. Go for just it. Out, so you got it. Come on, why not? Uh, we'll see, but we'll see. Like The over on uh, how long Prescott stays in the game. He'll go into the fourth quarter still, uh, I would think, assuming they go for it with the ball in his hands. Uh, but I, I do enjoy betting golf. Uh, we have our, uh, our long shot show with Brady Cannon and Wes Reynolds, which we encourage you all to check out at one of our family of VEASAN uh, podcasts. We uh, we have the third round having just wrapped up from Kapalua, the Century Tournament of Champions season opening event uh, in Maui at a, just an outstanding uh, facility and course. And in a, a, one of those unique events, Adam, where you ha- only have 38 guys in the field, all champions from the past season, it is a truly loaded field. Uh, and right now, going into Sunday, one of the two co-favorites, John Rahm, is now your live betting favorite as he is tied with Cam Smith, who actually both of our guys on long shots, Brady Cannon and Wes Reynolds, took a stab at Cam Smith at 22-1 to this week. Smith was your leader after Friday. Uh, he was he was solid today, a a 9-under par 64. Like you would think, yeah, 9-under, that's a pretty pretty damn good round in a, in a PGA Tour event. The thing is, this course is uh, one of those where it is a birdie fest, and John Rahm posts a, uh, a tidy little 61, 12-under today to go to 26 under. So it's Smith and John Rahm atop the leaderboard. And it's really a, t- a two-man race right now because Daniel Berger in third is five back at 21 under par. Rahm minus 175 now at DraftKings heading into Sunday. Cam Smith at plus 160. Your nearest competitor, Adam, is at 50 to one. So it should be shaping up for another. Like we, we might, uh, we're probably going to get the winning score in that minus 34, 35 range. Yeah, this is definitely a course where you can go low. What, what did you you said you played there? What did you shoot when you played? There? Uh, not sixty one. I bur- I birdied sixty one on the front nine. Probably, I was like <laughs> ten years old. I birdied the eleventh hole though, which played as like the third hardest hole, hole in the course today. At ten years old? Well, I was playing from the women's tee. Well, still, at 10 but years it was old, pretty cool. Uh, it was like one hundred forty yards. You know, I hit a nice little uh, you know U.S. kids golf five wood to about four feet, made the putt, and I quickly found out that Tiger Woods had parred that hole in the in the tournament that year and. I proclaim myself better than Tiger Woods. I can't believe you don't tell that story all the time. I would. I mean, it was you know, it was a highlight of my life. For sure. <laughs> Still is, really.
uh, on, the, on the golf course. Uh, but uh, as far as I only had one play this week, it was Justin Thomas top five at plus 165. He, he probably comes out and, and shoots a one over in the first round. He was two over in his first 21 holes of golf, was dead last in the field, and then comes out and fires a 61 today. So he and John Rahm each today, Adam, tie the course record. And uh, Justin Thomas goes from basically last place Zooms all the way up, and I've at least got a shot to backdoor that bet. He's tied for eighth at 17 under. Thomas and Rahm are your two co-favorites. So uh, this is not like your U.S. Open or Masters betting. I mean, it is so much different, 38-person field uh, with low, low scores. Well, and of course, Timmy, you look at a course like this, and really the only defense of this course is if it gets windy. You know, and, and, and it has been really, pristine. And, and that's week. really important. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I always focused on in terms of golf handicapping and, and writing up previews and all of that was – you know, what are the defense mechanisms of the course? Is the rough going to be penal? Are there a lot of bunkers protecting the greens? Is water going to be coming into play? You know, are there going to be windy conditions? Stuff like that. A lot of that stuff is very important. And things that you can do, even if you don't follow all these players week in and week out, handicap the course and then start thinking about which players end up fitting that course really well from a skill set standpoint. Some guys are better wind players. You know, some guys are better at playing when the fairways are a little bit softer because they don't hit those low-line drives, get the roll down the fairway and all of that. You kind of put together a profile of how that course is going to fit that golfer. And the thing of it is here with this course, though, is that it, it fits pretty much every golfer because it's very easy to score here. That Yeah, that, it helps when you've got the acre-wide fairways. Three different players today go, uh, go below uh, 62 or lower. Only one player in the field was over par today. So that kind of gives you uh, gives you uh, oh, an inkling. Yeah. Who, who's that guy? Uh, I don't want to. Do we have to name him? Uh, no, Lucas Glover was. Uh, oh. Actually, no, I'm sorry. He was yesterday. Uh, Brandon Grace. Uh, Glover was one over on uh, on Thursday. Brandon Grace won over today. But your last place right now, Jason Kokrak, is five under through three rounds, which like anybody would kill to, yeah, right. to, to be five under. Uh, but again, your, your top five, Smith and Rom at 26 under par. Daniel Berger. Three straight 66s uh, to go to 21 under. Sung J.M., Patrick Cantley, Matt Jones, who had an 11 under 62 today. Those Brady three, Cannon. Brady Cannon Jones. also. 150 uh, to 1. Big long shot, Matt Jones. So the long shots, guys, they, they've got some long shots who will be live going into Sunday. Those three guys are all tied for fourth. Mark Leishman, 18 under in seventh. And then Matsuyama and Thomas, 17 under apiece. They are uh, tied for eighth. So those are round out your, your, your main nine guys heading into Sunday. Uh, by the way, here we've got uh, as we go back to what's happening in Philadelphia, uh, the uh, the the Cowboys fourth and two they do go for it at the Eagles eleven. It was more like a fourth and one and a half, but Corey Clement, former Eagle, picks it up three yard gain. Uh, injury on the place. So we've got another injury timeout, but one play into the fourth quarter, and Dallas has a chance to basically I hesitate to say put the game to bed just because they'll bring in their backups after this. But again, it's Philadelphia's backups in. And I guess the only thing now is, like, if you took Philadelphia second half, which a lot of people did, moving that number up point, point and a half, that's going to be a sweat because it could be 7-3 to three Dallas uh, when Philly was, uh, was about a point, point and a half point dog there in the second half. So that remains to be seen. But I'd be, I'd be nervous if I had Philadelphia in any way because Dallas has not had any issue moving the ball against them. And who's to say Cooper Rush doesn't have issues moving the ball against them either? Right. And, well, the thing that's interesting is, uh, you know, they, like I said, on this drive, they ran the football down the field for the most part. Prescott's had a couple of nice completions, but they've really run the football down the field. When Rush comes in, do they go back to running the offense, or do they just run and get out of town and get this game over with? We don't know that. That'll be something that we'll have to kind of see here, maybe find a live opportunity with. Yeah, uh, that that could be something live that we look at. And we'll also, when we, when we return our final segment, before we get into 
the final two hours of our show, which is a full breakdown of every game left on the Week 18 card. We're going to discuss some season win totals uh, because neither of these two teams were, were involved in that. But uh, we've got some really interesting angles to look at. Part of, part of a you know, myriad of angles in Week 18 betting. Uh, so we'll discuss those when we come back. As we head to break as well, one other uh, final to tell you about our, one of the other college basketball games we were tracking. Auburn does hang on for the win and the cover. 85-73 at home against Florida as a 7.5 or 8-point favorite. So only top 25 teams still in action. Gonzaga, and they have officially scored 99 points in their game against Pepperdine. As Dallas and Clement strolls into the end zone, touchdown Big D as they go up 36-20. to 20, 30 seconds into the fourth quarter. Coming back, we'll discuss some season win totals coming down to the wire here on VEASAN Bet Center. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. Oh, <laughs> I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. Oh, my friends love it. I love that it's KidSafe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Saturdays are for sunshine, especially for your ears. With another election, ongoing wars, and natural disasters, we know the news can be a lot to take in. And we're determined to share the bright side of humanity. Every Saturday, take a breather from the headlines and hear all the uplifting happenings across the world with five good things a new weekend edition of CNN Five Things. That means you can find this goodness in the same feed as Five Things. Listen to Five Good Things on the iHeartRadio app. This is Beth Center on VSIN, the sports betting network. VSIN has a great new offer to help make this your best betting year ever. Our all-new Big Game Big Dance special provides VSIN Plus all access to everything we do from now through April 5th for the nice price of $69. Sign up now and get our daily best bets emails, 24-7 video access to the upcoming Big Game and College Hoops betting guides, plus full access to VSIN.com for our exclusive betting split breakdowns on every game. It's one of the most exciting betting seasons of the year, so don't miss out on one of our best deals of the year. Visit vcin.com slash big deal to sign up today. We welcome you back in. It's vcin Bet Center wrapping up our number two on the show before we get into every preview of the remaining 14 games on the NFL Week 18 card. Back with Adam Burke, Ben Wilson, as Dak Prescott. He has set the single-season passing record of touchdowns in a Dallas Cowboy uniform. I was way off in my guess of what I thought Troy Aikman's high-water mark was. Seriously, 23, 23 touchdowns? Yeah. I, I, re- I mean, to- like different game, obviously. Right. But still, yeah. 23 was the high watermark for Troy Aikman. It was uh, Tony Romo who Dak Prescott passes. And <laughs> we talked earlier about the, uh, you know, the, the fluidity and variance of award markets, just how they can go back and forth. And Dak Prescott, 21 to 27 for 295 and five touchdowns, 151.8 rating on a national audience. I know that the game meant really nothing, but. You have to think that with Joe Burrow not playing tomorrow, two-person race in the comeback player of the year, 
Prescott was about minus 180 coming in. Burrow plus 140. You have to think that award now would be locked up towards Dak Prescott. You know, and something else that's really funny, too. I know you talk about Joe Burrow and, and use the word, you use the term going nuclear here mm-hmm. at the end of the season and the numbers that he put up. They put up some numbers about Prescott. I think it said like 13 to 0 touchdown interception ratio since week 15, thrown for over 1,000 yards. He's played really well down the stretch, too, but you're hearing about Burrow, probably because it's a Bengals thing, probably because the Cowboys have had this division locked up for quite some time. But Dak Prescott's played really well down the stretch, too. And that's a good sign for Cowboy fans as they get ready for the playoffs. A final four games for Prescott will end up with 13 touchdowns, no picks. So, yeah, I mean, but you're not, you're not hearing about that. No. You're hearing about Joe Burrow. That, and that is why, like, I don't make a lot of these futures awards bets just because you're handicapping media and you're handicapping people like Hub Arkish who have, you know, personal vendettas against you know, specific players, which is why making, like, these bets can be very, very difficult. I just felt like I had a particularly good read on the ridiculous nature of the media in this case. And of course it's happened to go back and forth multiple times since then. So I, I'm kind of, I feel like the idiot in that sense, even though I might get lucky in the end and win the bet. I don't think you're getting lucky. I mean, you deserve to win the bet. Well, when you're, yeah, when you have a ticket on a guy that goes to minus a thousand with five weeks up in the year, you, you assume you're going to win the bet. We, we pointed out because of how, how chaotic this final month of the season has been. Uh, and the Eagles, uh, by the way, they go three and out. So a, a punt coming for Philadelphia this uh, this has been ugly from all all Eagles uh, Eagles backers tonight. Thirty seven to twenty, twelve forty four to go in the game, and they uh, one of their one of their I think special teams guys just got injured. So doing what Nick Sirianni was trying to avoid getting anybody injured, but at least not one of their uh, their starters. So finally, Cooper rushes into the game. It only took until the fourth quarter with twelve forty four to go. Yeah, and job most, well done for the Cowboys. They get all their guys in, nobody injured, and they put up huge numbers tonight. And it looks like most of the receiving cores out. Backup offensive line, you know they they got Dak the record and and that was that. And they got and, Elliott to a thousand yards. Which I, if you would have asked me how many yards did Elliott have, I would have been like, yeah, I don't know, like five hundred seventy. Yeah, right. He exactly. got to a thousand tonight. He did, and that was something I Crazy. I wish I would have paid attention to. Well, I mean, not that I expected Dallas to play all their starters here, but if I would have known that he was within striking distance of a thousand yards, maybe I'd take a look at that rushing yards yeah. prop. So. For our listeners, we'll try to touch on some of these in the game breakdowns coming up in the second half of the show. Do your research on these. Find out who's close to a round number because that's a player who's going to be motivated and his teammates know it too. You know, his teammates know. And and think about it. You're a running back. You got a shot at 1,000 yards. You're probably buying your offensive line Rolexes or something like that. Those offensive linemen know it too. So definitely look for those situations because they could definitely pop up here on Sunday. And now uh, Corey Clements running wild. So as we just alluded to, just because the starters are coming out, this, you know, every game is its own entity, but this did not feel like a game where, all right, go pound Philadelphia as soon as Dallas's guys come out. Cause they could, I mean, you could probably be back there. I could be back there. We, you know, we'd be running rampant. Probably you, game. not me. Well, I, look, I'm, I weigh like 150 pounds on a good day. So, you know, I, at, at the slightest inkling of contact, I would be, you know, careening off into the sidelines. But anyway, Clements uh, down inside the 15. Unfortunately, the Eagles aren't really hitting anyone. That is so. that is a po- positive side of that. Uh, that is a positive side there. So Cowboys back in the red zone. Uh, while we have a second, and now that this game is basically out of hand, we'll, uh, we, we will not be updating it as much. Of course, we will want, let you know once this goes final. Uh, but not only is there so much at stake from the incentives standpoint here, Adam, into week 18, but a lot of season win totals coming down to the line. And uh, we always say, like, hey, man, how do these – how do these bookmakers do it? How are they so good when it comes to the, the line, the closing lines, the totals always seem to be so close and that uh, that can be extended as well to the bookmaking that goes on with preseason win totals. Look at all of these different teams. There are 
a grand total of nine that at least at Circus Sports, and, and some of these numbers differ, but this is in general. Most of, There's not a whole lot of variance normally when it comes to the win totals. It's usually on the juice where you see variance. Nine different teams, Adam, come down to Week 18 either on or with a chance to play themselves over or at least push a preseason win total. Uh, pretty fascinating when you look at it, and I'm sure, too, this goes into when, when you think about betting Week 18, there's some instances here where you know, obviously it, uh, if, let's just say you're on one of these bets, it probably makes more sense to either stay with what you have, or there are some cases where, based on the juice, a money line play on either that side or the other side could could give you the potential at uh, at winning money and guaranteeing yourself, you know, a one plus money bet that will come home. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, that this is kind of a situation. If you're not going to win it outright, you hope you get a situation like this towards the end of the year, where maybe you get a hedging opportunity, something like that. I like to play a lot of MLB season win totals, which obviously it's a much higher variance sport mm-hmm. based on the number of games. So you don't really get a lot of these situations where it comes down to the final game and maybe you have a hedging option, something like that. But here you do. And it's one of those big questions where, you know, you bet this, what, five months ago, basically? Mm-hmm. You know, you, you've had your money tied up for that long. You want to make something out of it. You'd love to cash the win total and be right with that. But also, too, maybe it is a situation where you do play that money line on the opposite side, something like that, for a partial hedge, you know, quarter hedge, half hedge, something like that. There are opportunities out there for you if you're in this win total market. Looking at what we have on the screen, uh, what we had on the screen a moment ago, we'll flash it up again. Really, the only one. I mean, the Colts is a scenario where you, know, you had the plus money on the over, but do you re- like? I like. I have a bet on Indianapolis to make the playoffs at plus one twenty from about week uh, eleven, week twelve or so. Like, I'm not hedging that. No, I, there's no you know. And again, every just because you have the opportunity doesn't mean you should do it. The only one here I can think of that might make a little bit of sense based on what the opponent's line is, if you've got a Tampa 12 ticket, and because at this point, the worst you can do is push. You're either going to win your bet or you're going to push. You could maybe throw a sprinkle on the Panthers because there is something to be said for maybe Tampa, and we don't know. I mean, maybe they, like we've talked about how does it really matter where these teams slot in from, from the two through four perspective in the wild card. Tampa's been so banged up, and obviously we'll get into that game more specifically, but I mean, there's a world where Tampa could sit its guys, and you know, who knows? Carolina wins the game. That might be the one scenario where I would look at it and potentially think, all right, maybe I'll, I'll take a small piece of that money line since I also know I'm already locked into at least a push there. Right. I mean, so much of this comes down to risk tolerance. You know I mean? And also, too, you mentioned taking the, the plus money line, something like that. Or maybe spread. you just take the spread. Middle, yeah. You know, and you, and you just hope that Tampa Bay wins and does so by fewer than eight points. You know, there are a lot of different ways you can do this, or you can just go ahead and let that ticket ride. To me, you know, looking at the screen here, the, the Chargers at nine and a half. I mean, they're a nine and seven team right now. That game does have the Chargers as a three point road favorite, so it's not like it's a full fledged toss up type of game. Right. But I also think, you know, there's a very realistic possibility that the Chargers don't win that game. You know, we're talking about a 57 43 type of split there where the Chargers should win 57 or so percent of the time. There's going to be 43 percent of the time that they don't. So that's one of those where if you're sitting on a nine and a half, maybe that is one that you want to take a look at and maybe take the Raiders plus three, take that money line plus 135, something like that. Try to cover yourself at least in some way because, again, you've held your money for a long Mm -hmm. period of time here. To lose it all when you don't have to, that's a really tough pill to swallow. And You make a great point because especially a game like that where we'll obviously get to it. I don't have a strong inkling either way. I could see really any scenario play out. You're telling me you could either lock up, you know, either even money or plus 135. And at the worst, you just break it even. 
not a bad proposition to make. So no, I think definitely you, not. You make a you make a good point on those, and it's it's something where like I get it. You know, you've held on to your money this long, but we always have that conversation too of the whole like like some people are so anti hedging, mm-hmm. and others of us are like, look, we're in the money making business. There's kind of a there's a gray area there. There's also a, a middle ground too, where you don't have to be totally on one side or another. You can figure out ways, and you you know depending on your feel for how you feel about your bet, like that's I mean that's to me how you attack it. You don't go into it with a singular mindset of like, well, I got a hedge because I have a plus money ticket and I, you know, want to guarantee money. Right. Like it's like my Colts one. No way I'm hedging. I'm not no. losing to the Jaguars. No, of course. If not. they do, it's a horrible beat. Whatever. And, I'll, and, I'll accept it. And furthermore, too, just real quickly, there, there's a certain level of equity in not losing a full unit. You know, if yeah. you can k- take it down to losing a half unit, something like that, that can be beneficial for your bankroll in the long run, too. Yep. You, you make you make good points. That's why you're on the desk. He's Adam Burke. Follow him at Skating Tripods. That's why you have the, the, one of the best handles of, of anybody, uh, anybody at the network. We don't need the backstory to where that handle comes from. Maybe we'll get it in, our, in the final hour once we're well past midnight on the East Coast. Decent after dark. Decent after dark. All I know is uh, up next, we're going to start our full previews every game on the NFL Week 18 slate. That is coming up next right here on V. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscore team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep.